Hey, hey, this is your old pal, Will, coming at you live from beautiful Santa Rosa here in the KWTF studios. You, of course, are tuned in to the fun 88.1 KWTF Bodega Bay, KWTF.net on the World Wide Web. Let us get things started off with Mr. Nat King Cole. That's what you are Unforgettable Though near or far Like a song of love That clings to me How the thought of you does things to me Never before Has someone been more Unforgettable In every way And forevermore That's how you'll stay That's why, darling, it's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am unforgettable too Someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am Unforgettable Too And that night, Hal and I are on this train and we're riding up on top, because it's a fairly nice night. And all of a sudden, there's a 
I'm a railroad dick with a flashlight that reaches a thousand miles, it seems like, because I can't get it. We start moving around over the train, dropping out, and we can't get out of the way of this flash, and all of a sudden, bam, bam, he starts shooting. And that I'm scared of. So I came up from between the cars, and he, he's shooting bullets. You know, you hear him thud into those cars, bam, like this.
Yes, indeed, that was Guided by Voices with Cutout Witch from their album Under the Bushes, Under the Stars on Matador Records. Prior to that, we heard The Flaming Lips from their 1991 EP, Unconsciously Screaming. That was Let Me Be It, out on a lovely uh, clear smoke vinyl released by Atavistic Records. And we got that set started off with a um, stereo reissue from the mid-60s of Nat King Cole's Unforgettable from the album Unforgettable. In case you haven't guessed, we are rolling through albums that begin with letter U. Should be able to wrap this up pretty soon, I would think, but uh, let's keep things moving along with a lovely little story from Mr. Boris Karloff. It was so lovely in the country. It was summer. The wheat was yellow, the oats green, the hay was stacked up in the grassy meadows, and there went the stork on his long red legs jabbering away in Egyptian, which was the language he'd learned from his mother. All round the fields and meadows were large woods, and in the middle of the woods there were deep lakes. Yes, it was lovely there in the country. Standing in the sun was an old manor house with a deep moat round it, and from the wall down to the water's edge grew great big burdocks, which were so tall that little children could stand upright under the largest of them. The place was as wild as the densest forest, and in there a duck was sitting on her nest. 
She was busy hatching her little ducklings, but was getting rather tired of it because it was taking so long and she seldom had visitors. The other ducks thought more of swimming about on the moat than of coming in and sitting under a burdock leaf quacking to her. At last the eggs began to crack, one after the other. Cheep, cheep, they said. Every yolk among them had come to life and was popping its head out. Quack, quack, she said, quick, quick, and they were as quick as they knew how, peeping about under the green leaves on all sides, and their mother letting them look as much as they pleased, because green is so good for the eyes. Oh, what a big world it is, cried all the ducklings, and of course they did have a lot more room than in the eggs. Oh, don't think this is all the world, said their mother. It stretches a long way past the other side of the garden, right over to the parson's field, but that's a place I've never been to. Well, now I hope you're all here, and she got up to have a look. Why, no, I haven't got you all yet. The biggest egg is still there. How long is this going to take? I'm just about sick of it. And she settled herself down again. Well, how's it going, asked an old duck who had dropped in to see her. It's taking ages with one of these eggs, said the duck on the nest. I can't get it to crack at all. <laughs> but just have a look at the others. They're the darlingest ducklings I've ever seen. Every one of them takes after its father, the wretch. He never comes near me. Hmm, now let's have a look at the egg that won't crack, said the other. Oh, oh take my word for it. That's a turkey egg. I was taken in that way myself once. And what a bother I had with those youngsters. They're frightened to death of water. I couldn't get them into it. I quacked and I clacked, but it wasn't a bit of use. Now let me have a look. Mm, yes, it's a turkey egg, all right. You leave it where it is and teach the others to swim. I think I'll stick at it for a bit, said the duck. I've sat here so long I can just as well sit on a bit longer. Mm, as you please, said the old duck, and she waddled off. At last, at long last, the big egg cracked open. Cheep, cheep, said the little one as it tumbled out. And he was a big, ugly fellow. The duck looked at him and said, Well, that's a monstrous duckling. He's not a bit like the others. Oh, surely it wouldn't be a turkey chick. Well, we'll soon find out. He'll go in the water if I have to kick him in. It was really glorious weather the next day. The sun shone down on every green burdock, and the mother duck turned out at the waterside with all her family. Splash, and she was in the water. Quack, quack, she said, quick, quick, and one after the other the little ducklings plumped in. The water closed over their heads, but they came straight up again and floated along beautifully, their legs going by themselves, and every one of them was in, the ugly grey fellow swimming along with the rest. He's no turkey, she said. See how beautifully he uses his legs and how straight he holds himself. <laughs> He's my own little duck, and he isn't so bad looking either when you come to think of it. Now, quack, quack, come along, all of you, and I'll take you into the world and introduce you to the duckyard. But mind you keep close to me so that nobody treads on you and keep a sharp lookout for the cat. And so they went into the duckyard. There was a terrible noise in there, as two families were having a fight over an eel's head, and in the end, the cat got it. 
There now, that's the way of the world, said the mother duck, licking her bill, for she too fancied eel's head. Now hurry along, she said. Show how sharp you can be and bow nicely to the old duck over there. She's the most select of anybody here. She's of Spanish blood, and that's why she's so plump. Oh, and you see that red rag she has round her leg? That's something very grand, the greatest distinction any duck can have. It's a sign that they don't intend to part with her and to mark her out for people and animals. Now look smart now and don't turn your toes in. Well brought up duckling keeps his toes well apart like father and mother. Now then, bow nicely, dears, and say quack. And they did as they were told. But the other ducks that were gathered there just looked at them and said out loud, Oh, just look. Now we're getting that rabble, as if there weren't enough of us already. And my, what an object that one is. We're not putting up with him. And one duck flew straight at him and bit him in the neck. Leave him alone, said the mother, he's doing no harm. No, but he's too big and gawky, said the duck that had bitten him. He's going to get it. You've got some pretty ones there, my dear, said the old duck with the rag round her leg. All excepting that one. He hasn't come out at all well. What a pity you can't make him afresh. Can't be helped, your ladyship, said the duckling's mother. He's not pretty, but he has a good disposition, and he swims as nicely as any of the others, a little better, if anything. I fancy he'll grow better looking in time, or else not so big. You see, uh, he was too long in the egg, and it affected his figure. And as she spoke, she preened his neck and smoothed his feathers down. Besides, he's a drake, she said, and so it doesn't matter so much. I expect he'll turn out strong enough to give a good account of himself. The other ducklings are charming, said the old duck. Make yourself at home, my dears, and if you come across an eel's head, just bring it along to me. And so they made themselves at home. But the poor duckling that had been the last to hatch and was so ugly to look at was pecked and jostled and made fun of by the ducks and the hens. He's too big, they all said. And the turkey cock, who had been born with spurs on and so fancied himself emperor, puffed himself up like a ship in full sail and, making straight for him, gobbled at him till he was quite red in the face. The poor little ducklings scarcely knew which way to turn and was so very miserable because he looked so ugly and was the laughing stock of the duckyard. That was the way things went the first day, and later it got worse and worse. The poor duckling was pushed around by every one of them. Even his brothers and sisters were unkind to him, and they would say, if only the cat would get you, you ugly thing. And his mother said, oh, I wish you were far enough away. And the ducks bit him, and the hens pecked him, and the maid who fed the poultry let fly at him with her foot. So one day he fluttered away over the hedge, causing all the little birds in the bushes to fly frightened into the air. Oh, that's because I'm so ugly, thought the duckling, shutting his eyes as he ran along. And so in the end he came to the great marshes where the wild ducks lived, and there he lay all night. He was so tired and weary. In the morning the wild ducks flew up and came to have a look at their new companion. Oh, what do you think you are, they asked. And the duckling turned and bowed all around as well as he could. 
Well, you're an ugly object, said the wild ducks, but it's all the same to us so long as you don't marry into our family. Oh, poor thing. He hadn't the least intention of marrying. If only they would allow him to lie among the rushes and drink a little marsh water. For two whole days he lay there, and then along came two wild geese, or rather wild ganders, for they were male. They hadn't been very long out of the egg, which explains why they were so cocky. Hey, look here, my lad, they said. You're so ugly, we rather like you. Why not fly in with us? In another marsh, not far from here, there are some really adorable wild geese, all maiden ladies and nice quackers. You'd make a hit with your ugliness. Bing, bang, a sudden shot rang out and the two wild ganders fell dead among the rushes while the water turned blood red. Bing, bang, another shot, and whole flocks of wild geese flew up from the rushes, followed by yet another crack. There was a big shoot on. The men were all around the marsh, and some were even perched in branches of trees which hung right over the rushes. Blue smoke drifted like clouds among the darker trees and hung far out over the water. The gun-dogs came flop-flopping through the mud, and reeds and rushes swayed in all directions. It was terrifying for the poor duckling, and he turned his head to hide it under his wing. And then, all of a sudden, there stood right next to him an enormous dog. Its tongue was lolling right out, and its eyes gleamed horribly. It thrust its jaws right down towards the duckling, baring its sharp teeth as it did so, and then... Splash! It had gone without getting him. Thank heaven, sighed the duckling. I'm so ugly that even the dog doesn't fancy me. And so off he went. And he floated on the water and he ducked under it, but was cut by everybody because of his ugliness. And so autumn came around. The leaves on the trees turned brown and yellow and the wind caught them and sent them dancing. There was a chill look in the air. The clouds were heavy with hail and sleet, and the raven stood on the fence and squawked, ow, ow, from sheer cold. The very thought of it was enough to give one the shivers. The poor duckling did have a bad time. One evening, with a glorious sunset, a whole flock of handsome large birds came out of the bushes. The duckling had never seen any so beautiful. They were gleaming white and had long, graceful necks. They were swans. They uttered the strangest of cries, spread their magnificent long wings and flew off from these cold parts to warmer lands with open water. They soared so high, so high, that the ugly little duckling felt a queer feeling come all over him. He spun round on the water like a wheel, stretched his neck after them in the air, and let out a cry so loud and strange that he frightened himself. He couldn't get the handsome birds, the lucky birds, out of his head. And as soon as they were out of sight, he dived straight to the bottom, and when he came up again, he was almost beside himself. He had no idea what the birds were called or where they went to, but he loved them as he had never loved anyone before. He wasn't at all jealous of them, because how could he dream of wishing for such splendor? 
He would have been glad only to have the ducks put up with him, the poor ugly creature. The winter was so cold, so bitterly cold. The duckling had to swim about so as to keep the water from freezing up altogether. But every night the hole that he was swimming in grew smaller and smaller and the top of the ice crackled in the frost. The duckling had to keep his legs going all the time to stop the gap from closing up and in the end he grew quite faint, lay perfectly still and froze fast in the ice. Early the next morning a farmer came along and saw him and going out to him he broke the ice with his clog and took him home to his wife. There he revived. The children wanted to play with him but the duckling was afraid that they were going to hurt him and he flew terrified into the milk pan, slopping the milk all over the room. The woman screamed and waved her arms and this made him fly into the butter tub and down from there into the flour bin and up again. Oh, he did look a sight. The woman screamed and let fly at him with the tongs. The children fell over one another, trying to catch him, shrieking with laughter. Luckily, the door was open, and he scrambled out among the bushes into the freshly fallen snow where he lay all in a daze. Oh, but it would make too dismal a story to tell of all the misery and hardship he had to undergo that hard winter. He was lying on the marsh among the rushes when the warm sun began shining again and the larks were singing. It was lovely spring. Then all at once he, he lifted his wings. They were stronger now than before and bore him easily along and before he was aware of it he was in a large garden where the apple trees were in blossom and sweet-smelling lilac hung down on long green branches over the winding streams. Oh, how fresh and spring-like it was. And from the thicket, straight in front of him, came three beautiful white swans, spreading their wings and floating so lightly on the water. The duckling knew the splendid birds, and a strange sadness came over him. I'll fly over to the royal birds and they'll peck me to death for being so ugly and daring to go near them. But what do I care? Rather be killed by them than pinched by the ducks, pecked at by the hens, kicked by the girl who looks after the poultry and suffer hardship in winter. And so he flew into the water and swam towards the splendid swans. And seeing him, they ruffled their feathers and went to meet him. Have done with me, said the poor creature, as he bowed his head towards the water and waited for death. But what was it he saw in the clear water? There beneath him was his own reflection. But he was no longer a clumsy, grey, black bird, plain and ugly. He was a swan himself. So you see, it doesn't matter being born in the duckyard when you've been hatched out of a swan's egg. 
Some little children came into the garden and threw bread and meal in the water, and the smallest of them cried, There's a new one! And the other children chimed in, Yes, there's a new one come! And they clapped their hands and danced about and ran for mother and father, and bread and cakes were thrown into the water, and everybody said, Oh, the new one is the nicest, so young and so handsome. And the old swans curtsied to him, and the lilacs bowed their branches down to the water for him, and the sun shone so kindly and so warmly that, ruffling his feathers and raising his slender neck, he rejoiced with all his heart. I never dreamt of so much happiness when I was an ugly duckling. Well, that wasn't such a bad story after all. We just had to make it to the end there. Uh, yes, indeed, that was Boris Karlov relating to us the tale of The Ugly Duckling. And uh, that is from an album called The Ugly Duckling and Other Stories by Hans Christian Andersen. And all of them are read by Hans, or excuse me, Boris Karloff. And that is on Cadman Records. Before we continue with the music, let me remind you that KWTF is supported by listeners like yourselves. That's right, you can help us out with the day-to-day operations of this very station for $5 a month, $10 a month. Really, uh, it will help us out immensely. Please point your browser in the direction of kwtf.net for more information. You can also find out more information about how you can help volunteer here at the station. Coming up next... Bay Area guitarist Wyman Miles...
So. What song is it? Do you know which part? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, I at least know which part I'll screw oh. up.
All right, that was indeed Pink Floyd, circa 1968, live performing um, Sid Barrett's Astronomy Domain from the album Amagama. That is on Harvest Records. Uh, supposedly, pretty much all of these surviving members of Pink Floyd are not fans of that album. I don't know why. It's pretty awesome. Prior to that, we heard Nirvana doing a David Bowie song, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh, excuse me, The Man Who Sold Earth. See, I'm getting all my Bowie confused because I've had Bowie on the mind for the last week and a half, as I'm sure you all have. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail about that, but suffice to say, you know. Uh, the music lives on. What can I say? That is from the album Unplugged, their MTV appearance. That is on DGC Records. And before Nirvana, we heard Wyman Miles' solo effort, he of uh, Fresh and Only's, that is called Strange Desire uh, from the album Under the Pale Moon. That is on Sacred Bones Records. Coming up next, we're going to take another little trip back to early 90s, but a different kind of early 90s. No, not indie rock. Yes. Think more mm, bright colors. Thank you. 
That was Adam and Eve, a.k.a. Psychic TV, with a song called Bonnie, parentheses, Dewey, Rave Mix. I have no idea what that means, of course. That is from an album called Ultra House, the 12-inch mixes on Wax Track Records. Thank you for tuning in yet again to another episode of vinyl if you have any questions about what you might have heard, you can shoot me an email, vinylomatic at gmail.com is the address. You can also point your browser in the direction of vinylomatic.com for so many archived episodes of Vinylomatic. You'll have your days planned weeks in advance, something like that. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to the fun 88.1 KWTF Bodega Bay, KWTF.net on the internet. Until we meet again!